Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Cindy Lanou, and I serve as a youth leader and a Stephen minister here in our congregation. This is the day our Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Glory to you, almighty God, for you sent your only begotten Son that we might have new life. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for you became flesh and dwelt among us that we might become your people. Glory to you, Holy Spirit, for you direct and rule our lives. Glory to you, almighty God, and to your Son, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way the Lord makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become a plain and the rough places level. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us worship God. Both the biblical witness and the history of Christian thought provide ample evidence that confession of sin is an integral part of worship. To come into the presence of the Holy One is to be made aware of our own sinfulness. What elsewhere can be denied and hidden even from ourselves is now exposed. 
But we need not be afraid because the God who sees us as we are loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So let us bow our hearts together and confess our sins before our loving Heavenly Father. God of grace and truth, in Jesus Christ you came among us as light shining in darkness. We confess that we have not welcomed the light or trusted good news to be good. We have closed our eyes to glory in our midst, expecting little and hoping for less. Forgive our doubt and renew our hope so that we may receive the fullness of your grace and live in the truth of Christ the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who love me, I will deliver, says the Lord. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us now boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to see you all here this morning, getting ready to bring in the new year, giving thanks for the year past. I know you're looking forward to that Michigan game tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> you can't wait for that to happen. 
It is so good to be here at Church of the Palms as we anticipate another year and to give thanks for all the good things that have taken place over this past year. We have the Palm Center making its way up out of the ground and we're looking forward to entering that facility hopefully around Easter time. We uh, are looking forward to starting over next year and so we will be uh, doing a sermon series beginning next Sunday uh, called Starting Over and thinking about how we might uh, sort of regroup ourselves and be thinking about perhaps setting up new priorities and new ways of living. And so we encourage you to come and join us as we begin that series. Also, another series starts on Wednesday night, God in Hollywood. If you'd like to come and reflect on a few uh, great spiritual classics like Field of Dreams, my favorite movie of all time, uh, you might want to come and join us. And if you'd like to uh, check out one of those movies, we encourage you to watch the movie before you come so that we can talk about it and not spend time watching it. And uh, if you'd like to check those out, they are available for a two-day uh, borrowing from the church office. So go check out the church office. But this coming Wednesday, we'll be taking a look at Field of Dreams. We are looking forward to, in a couple of weeks, the uh, visit of the Westminster College Concert Choir, who will be here in worship on Sunday morning. And we'll be having a concert that, that afternoon at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary. You won't want to miss that. It's my alma mater, so you won't want to miss that. <laughs> and uh, we would love for you to help us out. We have about half of the, of the, of the uh, choir uh, already being hosted by families within our church. We still need the other half to be hosted. So if you'd like a couple of college kids to visit your home for just one night, Saturday night before, the, on the 13th of January, uh, and then you'll bring them back on Sunday morning for the, uh, the day's uh, singing, we would love for you to do that. If you'd like to uh, find out more about that or want to host uh, a couple of these students or, or more, uh, you can see Genevieve or myself, or you could sign up in the church office, and we would love to help you help us out with that. We are looking forward to also another series beginning on next Sunday, January the 7th, called Songs Without Words and Words Without Songs. Some of the great musical talent of Sarasota will be here every Sunday evening where we'll be sharing some beautiful music with you along with some beautiful poetry. And uh, this uh, kind of falls on the heels of what we did last year with the box series. And I know many of you will love to enjoy that. We'll be 6.30 every Sunday uh, in January here in the sanctuary. We'll keep in our prayers Alan Rada, one of our uh, pastors here at Church of the Palms who had some planned surgery on his ankle this past week and he'll be out uh, for the next couple uh, three weeks uh, recovering from that so keep Alan Rada in your prayers and we are delighted to have Jordan Goodwin here this morning and uh, many of you know Jordan she is uh, a seminary student and just finishing up at Princeton Theological Seminary this coming year she's under call of the, under the care of the Peace River Presbytery for ordination, and she happens to be the daughter of Lori Haas. So uh, they are together there, two seminary students uh, who will be finishing this year. Lori finishes this, this coming month, this next month in January, and Jordan finishes at Princeton in May, and then she'll continue on to receive a master's in social work at Rutgers University the following year. So welcome, Jordan. Give Jordan a round of applause. We're glad to have you here. Let's continue our worship.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. God, you are a God beyond time and calendar, beyond deadlines and measurable goals, and yet that is the world we live in. As Advent comes to an end and the new year is almost here, we can hardly believe how fast time goes. And so, Lord, slow us down. Slow us down so that we can realize your abundance. Slow us down so that we can appreciate the sparkle and the smile of a child or find patience within relational conflicts. Slow us down so that we can feel the coolness in the air, so that we can marvel at a sunset or find wonder in a kind word of encouragement. Slow us down, Lord, so that we can see your hand at work, even in the challenges of our lives. Our country's political atmosphere is front and center in our minds. We pray for our current and future leaders. Lord, use the spirit of unrest that exists to speak truth to those in power. Raise up leaders that see beyond their own gain so that all people in this country can have their needs met. God, we thank you for the beautiful world you have made for the oceans and lakes and beaches and ponds and for their ecosystems, for the incredible birds and bugs and all creatures big and small. Help us to cherish and care for this earth and for the resources we take for granted. God, continue to guide and oversee the development of the Palm Center. Help guide us in making decisions for the new Palm Center that will glorify you. As this holiday break comes to a close, we pray for safe travels for family and friends. We thank you, Lord, for giving us time together to share food, play games, and celebrate one another. Fill us with gratitude and hope as we look to a new year and an opportunity for a fresh start. For friends in our midst who are grieving a loss of any kind, bring comfort and palpable sense of your presence. Those who have lost loved ones or friends, those who may be caring for a sick family member, those who have experienced poor health of their own. Lord, use us as your instruments of compassion in their lives and in the world. We pray for our children and we pray for our parents. We pray for our siblings and we pray for our friends. And most of all, O oh God, grant us mercy. We thank you for the gift of your mercy and grace that you have bestowed on us. You have shown us in Christ that your love is never ending. Help us to believe that and enable us to then love one another with generous hearts. In the name of your son and our brother and friend, we pray the prayer he taught to his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In gratitude and with thanksgiving, let us give back to God a portion of what he has entrusted to us. I now invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings.
it came a floweret bright amid the cold of winter when half spent was the night To show God's love aright, she bore to man a Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, for the blessings you have so generously given to each one of us. We pray that you will accept this offering in the spirit in which it is given, so that wonderful acts of love may be done in the new year. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite Miss Carol and the children to come forward for the children's moment. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I didn't see too many. Oh, got one. Well, let's see. Thank you for being here, you guys. I'm going to sit down right here with you. I think it's just the three of us or the four of us. How was your Christmas? Was it good? Do you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything, do anything? Hey, come on up. Hi. Did you guys do anything special? Have friends over? Did you get anything good? Well... At Christmas, well, when, uh, I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> what about you, Maddie? Um, I didn't Moxie? Whoa, nice. That's good. Did any one of you get one of these? Yeah. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sister got four boxes of them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to have a lot to eat probably today because it's just us. But I wanted to tell you that this is the most popular Christmas tradition candy there is. Did you know that? The candy cane can teach us a lot about 
the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. Did you know that? So I'm going to show you something kind of cool. All right, if I hold it like this, what does that look like? Um, a J? Yeah, a J like that, right? The J stands for Jesus. And we celebrate Christmas because it's Jesus' birthday, right? That's one thing. Okay, when I turn it this way, what does it look like, Ben? A candy cane. A candy cane, right. It can also look like a shepherd's crook. A shepherd is that guy in the Christmas story that takes his crook like this and he, and he um, gathers the sheep from wandering off and getting lost and hurt or getting eaten by a wild animal. And then what's the color of the candy cane? White, mostly white, white, and red, red, and red. So mostly white because white is, symbolizes purity. And Jesus is the spotless lamb of God. And um, because that he died for us, we can become white as snow. And so then there's red on the candy cane. Usually there's three stripes of red. And the red stands for Jesus, that he suffered and died for us and bled and died so that we could have everlasting light. To most people, the, 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 the candy cane's just a decoration, right? We're going to get to it. Why don't we just pray, and then we'll go eat candy canes. All right. Dear Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to be the good shepherd for us, that you came, and uh, he, he, was, he was here, and he was born for us to enjoy and to live everlasting, and to be with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
may be seated. So in this season of Christmas, we turn the page literally from the prophets to the gospels and begin to take our journey through the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus. And this year we will be doing so within the gospel of John. So today we are in the first chapter of the gospel according to John, beginning at the 19th verse. Hear the word of God. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, well, what then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, oh, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered him, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. In the penultimate chapter of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, having been visited by Marley's ghost and the spirit of Christmas past and present, Scrooge has been taken to the future by the last of the spirits and shown his how life would be should he retain his miserly course. He sees the demise of Tiny Tim and then finally is taken to an old cemetery and shown a lonely grave. Dickens writes, Scrooge crept towards it trembling as he went and following the finger read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am I that man who lay upon the bed, he cried upon his knees. The finger pointed from him to the grave and back again. No spirit, oh, no, no, the finger was still there. Good spirit, he pursued as down upon the ground he fell before it. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. The kind hand trembled. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. It it sought to free itself, but he was strong in his entreaty and, and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him. 
And holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate eye reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. End of chapter. What will the conclusion be? We might wonder that to ourselves if we had been the first to read the story back in 1843. What will happen to this selfish old man? Will he shut out the lessons the spirits teach? Or will he change these shadows with an altered life? Imagine turning the page and reading that Scrooge woke up from his troubled sleep and realizing that it was just a dream, got up, got dressed, and went to work. No Christmas turkey, no feast at the nephew's house, no forgiveness of debts, no increase in Bob Cratchit's salary, no being a second father to Tiny Tim. None of it. Just back to the way things always have been. Just another day of doing the same old thing. Imagine such an ending. Why, it just wouldn't be a Christmas carol. There really would have been no point to the story. There may be no better day than December 31st, New Year's Eve, as we look back with the spirit of the past and look at the present with the spirit of the present and, and look ahead with the spirit of the future to wonder about the point of the story. Certainly the story of our lives, but, but also in particular the story that we've just been reading the past couple of weeks. The story about the young mother with the child and the angels and the shepherds. The, the story about Nazareth and Bethlehem. The, the story about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We, we, we've reached the end of the penultimate chapter. The heavens have opened. The Christ child has been born. And now it's time to, to turn the page. Now, now it's time to see what's next. What's going to happen? And with that page turn, the spotlight shifts to you and you and you and me. And the readers are wondering what will happen to these people? What will happen when they wake the next day, when they wake the next week, the next year? Will things be different? Lives be altered, a new course is set. What will be the point of the story? And so, almost on cue, onto the stage walks John the Baptist. Just when we were just about ready to go back to the way things have always been, just when we got thinking that January 2nd is right on the, right on the cusp and just as we were just about ready to put Christmas away and hunker down for 2018, onto the stage walks this rather crazy figure named John dressed up in some crazy looking outfit. Mark tells us that he was dressed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt and ate locusts and wild honey, enough to kind of grab your attention. John walks into the tail end of our Christmas party while we're sipping our last eggnog and asking for our coats. And he stands at the door of the new year and he says, hold your horses. No one's going anywhere. No one's leaving this place. No one is finishing this story. No one is moving into the new year until you hear from moi. Now, this is the part of the story where we get confused. We thought this Christmas was supposed to be like all the other Christmases, you know, do our annual thing. How was Christmas this year? Our friends will ask and we'll say, oh, fine, fine, just fine. That's the way it's supposed to go, and we make our way to the door, and we brace ourselves for the uncertainty of a new year, and then almost like the spirit of the time to come, John the Baptist appears and says to us, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the same. 
doesn't have to be the same old thing. It doesn't have to be the same old you. Things can change. Life can change. You can change. Repent. Christopher Vogel, Vogler, in his great book on writing, talks about how to write a compelling story. And he goes back to the great ancient mythologies, the great stories of civilization, and he says that there is a certain structure where the hero of the story has to pass through a series of phases in order to become a truly transformative character, in order to become truly a hero. And one of the phases is confronting what he calls the threshold guardian. And the threshold guardian is the character in every great story who stands between the past and the future and challenges the hero. And unless the hero engages the threshold guardian, there's no way he or she will become a hero. And in turn, there really isn't any point to the story. So it makes all the sense in the world as we make our way from Bethlehem to the new year, we find at the threshold this rather daunting character, John, and John says, repent, change course, don't remain on the same road. If you want there to be a point to this story, he says, if you want there to be a point to your story, things have got to change. You are here on this earth for bigger things. You are in this story for a better ending. So the new year is that great time, right, we give ourselves that, that smallest of windows for us to wonder, could my story have a better ending? Today and tomorrow is that time, right, of great hope, of great intention, when we wonder how might things be different for me in the future? What, what new course might I set? What, what new mission might I pursue? And there would be nothing better for us to do today and tomorrow than engage the threshold guardian and let the Baptist challenge us into a new way of life. But you know, the Baptist doesn't just show up at the end of December. That's usually how we treat him. You know, we kind of treat him like one of those Christmas figurines. We, we take him out at the beginning of December and put him somewhere, and then we take him back and put him back in the box for the next 11 months. But I think we're missing the whole point when it comes to John the Baptist, because I think the Baptist shows up not just at the threshold of the year. The Baptist shows up in the thresholds of life. Because if there's anything that life has, it has its thresholds. And I think you know what I mean. I think it, it is those events that happen in your life that give you pause. And we've all had events in our life that have given us pause. They can be good events. They can be bad events. They can be unexpected events. They can be life-shattering events. Or they can be events of great fortune. But life has these threshold events that give us pause. It can be the birth of your child. It can be the divorce of your marriage. It can be the loss of a job. Or it can be the illness of your child. It can be a move to a new city. Or it can be the start of retirement. It can be a life-threatening diagnosis. Or it can be your kid leaving the house. It can be all these threshold events give us pause and make us wonder what in heaven's name is going to be next. And that is precisely the point at which John steps onto the stage and has his line. What in heaven's name is going to be next? Because it doesn't have to be the same thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing. You were made for bigger things. Your story is supposed to have a better ending. If there's anything that this baby born in Bethlehem is about, it is about the power of God to change history. It is about the power of God to change your history. Some of you may have read the novel or seen the movie The Shack, the harrowing fictional story of a father, Mac Phillips, whose daughter is kidnapped and brutally murdered, found in a remote shack in the woods, a threshold moment which should be visited upon no parent but a threshold moment it was nonetheless. And as the story goes, Mac faces into the threshold by returning to the shack, by visiting the shack. And there he is visited by the three persons of the Trinity, 
and in this visitation becomes a different person. What most don't know about the story is that it was written by Paul Young, who wrote it as an allegory to his own life, his own threshold experience. His threshold was having his wife and mother to his five children catching him in an affair with his wife's best friend. That while being a pastor. Talk about threshold. Talk about the world collapsing around you. Talk about an uncertain future. But confronting his own brokenness, his own failure, his own family dysfunction, his own shame, Paul heard the voice of the Baptist Repent, change, choose a new course. And with the grace of his wife and family and a whole lot of therapy, he found a new path, a different course. He was made for bigger things. His story had a better ending. And from his own story came the story of the shack. It makes me think of a friend of mine, I'll call him Bill. I got to meet Bill a long time ago at the threshold. When Bill was a kid, he began drinking pretty early and liked being the life of the party. But soon he went from being the life of the party to being the embarrassment of the party. And his friends told him as much. But that didn't stop him, he just kept on going. And when his boss told him he better lay off the sauce, that didn't stop him. He just kept on going. And when his boss told him he didn't have a job anymore, that didn't stop him. He just found another job and kept on going. And later he reported to me that this was around the time when he began bargaining with God. That if God would let him live to the age of 30, he would be all right with that. He couldn't ask for anything more than that, 30. But then at age 27, his girlfriend announced to him that she was pregnant and that she was going to bring the child into the world and that he had just some decisions to make. Was he gonna be a man? Was he gonna be a husband? Was he gonna be a father? And that's when the Baptist showed up. You were made for bigger things, Bill. You are in this story for a better ending. And so came the daily meetings with new friends at Alcoholics Anonymous. So came the regular visits to the local pastor. So came a change of career. And so came a commitment to be a husband and a father. I got his Christmas card the other day, as I do every year. It's been 30 years. It hasn't been perfect. There he is in his Christmas picture, standing in his living room with his bride of 30 years, his four children, a mother-in-law, a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, three grandchildren, and a dog. Wow. Better ending. Who knows what 2018 is going to hold? Some good things, some bad things. Certainly some thresholds. Moments of pause. Maybe today's one of them, maybe not. But they'll come, that's to be sure. And there, if we look, we'll find the Baptist, the spirit of things to come. Repent, he'll say, time to change. Bigger things await, a better ending is in store. So Scrooge, Dickens writes, became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well.
But now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.